brought to you by your friends and loved ones at TGR and the UGN. You're listening to Big Red Potion, the podcast that always keeps its manners. I'm your incontestable host, Sinakama, and in a cave far, far away lies a soul of BRP's second chair, co-host and resident playboy, Joe D'Elia, the man who puts the space into dead space, and by that I mean the space in between dead and space. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, so, good evening, uh, Mr. Joe, and how be you? I'm doing pretty good. I have a I have a co-host here who's actually the host of this week's show that is uh, enamored with a certain professor and his young lad boy because uh, <laughs> there's a certain delay in starting the show. I wasn't I actually acquit- playing Professor Layton during the interim. Uh, but I, I fail to believe you on that, but we will agree to disagree. I, I will say that it is sitting, the DS is sitting right next to me as we record. And uh, if I go silent, mm. I'm, I apologize in advance, but it, mm. yeah. It's understandable. If it was anything but Professor Layton, I'd be angry, but you know. <laughs> you are British, so it's just assumed that you're going to be playing Professor Layton and drinking tea at all times. And it's set in London. Sure. For a bit. Sure. Can't argue it. We should probably talk some video games. All right. Hey. I know you have been playing um, a game which is set in Nazi Germany, mm. and does it involve a, a cybernetic Hitler? No. No. That's what's up. No, there's no Hitler in this game. Hmm. It's very disappointing. Yeah. It's very no, disappointing. That's not, that's, anyway, so you are you're playing Wolfenstein. Yes, I'm playing the new Wolfenstein, which, uh, yeah, um, I mean, I played all the older the older ones, which I, I assume most people have, and this one. Um, I mean, this one's like, hey, you know what? We need to throw some sci-fi stuff in there to freshen things up a bit. And the last one kind of did that. Return to Castle Wolfenstein. Did you ever play that game? I did. Okay, that's a, that's a fun one. It has some uh, really great multiplayer. It has some cool stuff in the single player. Um, this one kind of ramps it up a little bit more. There's like these ghost creatures that can float around and like throw particle beams at you and stuff. And um, you can like you have these special powers. You can slow down time. You can you know uh, see through certain walls and then walk through them if you're in the special vision mode. Kind of weird to be in a Wolfenstein game, but nonetheless. Um, and the other cool thing is that uh, some of the weapons you pick up later on are a little crazy. There's a Tesla cannon, which basically lets you shoot bolts of lightning as you run around. Um, there's a Proton pack, which uh, lets you. I think, it, think I saw somewhere they call it the Nazi hose, because it shoots basically a Ghostbusters-like proton beam out and lets you fry things uh, instantly with the touch of the beam. That sounds kind of cool. It is kind of cool. It is kind of cool. Um, but that's it. That's kind of the only good things about the game. Really? Which, yeah. I mean, uh, the, I'm I'm writing my review now, and like my main point in that is that this game has no point. Like, there's, they didn't even, like... All right, so the last one introduced sci-fi stuff because the, the earlier Wolfensteins were pretty much straight up just, you know... Well, the mecha-Hitler thing kind of was sci-fi, but whatever. But um, the last one was like, oh, let's put some zombies in here. Let's put some, you know, crazy creature monster things that are going to come at you. Let's throw some cool weapons. This one's like, oh, you know what? The last one, they did a gr- great job with those, those sci-fi stuff. Let's put more of that in. Let's put more monsters. Let's put more sci-fi weapons. Let's put more... There's no actual, like... There was no idea behind this game. It was just like, well, the last one made us a lot of money. So we're basically going to take all that stuff and do it again. Hmm. And that's kind of it. I mean, I know you have your problems with first-person shooters to begin with. 
and this one would not change your mind. I mean, this I I don't really have a problem with first-person shooters. I mean, this is something we talked about obviously on the on the Digital Cowboys podcast. Right. I it's just the genre I see the least invention in now. I mean, I would even mm-hmm. I, I'd say there are some Japanese role-playing games which are really different to the norm. Like mm-hmm. we talked about the world ends with you sure. before on the show. Whereas sure. I feel like every first-person shooter is like every other first-person shooter. Um, right. And the generic ones just... There are so many generic first-person shooters that it, it, I'm almost... <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to be rude. I'm almost completely bored by listening <laughs> to you talk about it because it's just... I, it's another one of these. I don't yeah. know what to say. I mean, the thing is, though, this is one of like the forefathers. You yeah, know, but like we, you would you would almost expect them to try to do something with it. But we've been here before. <laughs> I, I know, but like we, we've I, had Unreal Tournament three come and disappoint us. We've had, right. uh, you know, Quake four, Quake four. Uh, I mean, even to some extent, like some people have been saying, Resistance two is uh, like mm-hmm. it's a new one that's even come and disappointed in the second that's version, right. like. I just don't know. I mean, a lot of people seem to be very down on ODST at the moment, um, mm. uh, which just amazes me because I think you know the undue love the Halo franchise seems to get. Um, right. I just I don't know what to say about the first-person shooters. Like, what <laughs> really? What like if? Okay, let's talk about because I think this is a bit more interesting than Wolfenstein to me. Let's talk Absolutely. about like um, Halo Three, Gears of War Two. Resistance 2, Killzone 2, like, can you really tell me what the USP of all those different shooters are? Universal selling point. Well, I mean, Gears does stand out a bit. I'll give it. I'll give that one at least a bit of a, a, a different, because at least I mean they tried the first okay. one anyway. The second one literally was a carbon copy of the first, and they did nothing with it, and it was very disappointing. But the first one at least they tried to do some cool things with cover and so on and so forth, and the co-op thing was really cool. So, um, I mean, all the first purchase shooters that come out, even the big budget ones like Halo, OSD, like Killzone 2, they all kind of just they have a formula that's been established a, you know a long time ago by you know every other every little game tries to do one little thing new and basically every other game from that point on takes it like cover mechanic example every game has cover mechanics now um, and it seems like the mirror's edge style free running thing is going to be the next thing that every game takes because there's that brink game coming out that's doing it there's another one that I can't think of right now that's doing it um, right and I, it's just, it, it's basically making this amalgamation of, well, the first-person shooter is now made up of all of these little pieces from all these other things before it, and there's really nothing standing out in that genre that's not being like everything else. I suppose Half-Life 2 was one of the, the, the last ones that actually went against what most other first-person shooters were doing at the time and tried something different with its physics. But, of course, that's been adapted by every other game, so now that game doesn't even stand out anymore. Hmm. So, I, I mean, like... I. I almost expect more out of the, the, the Wolfensteins. I, I expect more out of Rage when that comes out. I, I almost expect more from the people that have been doing these things for a really long time. Like, I expect Epic's next first-person shooter, whatever that may be, to be something different. As hesitant as I was to when you first said that, you know, first-person shooters don't innovate or anything, you're, I'm slowly coming to your side on that argument. Because I'm realizing that most of what I've been playing over the past five years has been the same game, just done a little differently. Right. And this game is not helping me. <laughs> I'll say this to to close out Wolfenstein. 
you can get Return to Castle Wolfenstein for about two bucks now, and you can get Enemy Territory, which is the multiplayer version of it, for free on PC. And that game is far better than the $60 game that you could buy right now under that name. Alright, so, um, right, so we'll talk about a different shooter that does try and do stuff a little different, that does try to involve the, uh, the, the genre that it's, that's taking over, and that's Dead Space Extraction. Yes. Um, you played this recently, right? A while back at a preview event. Yeah, I went to um, the EA Studios at Guildford, which I was very mm-hmm. uh, lucky to go to, and okay. um, I saw a bunch of games. One of them was Dead Space Extraction, and out of the out of the three games I saw, it was easily the most impressive. Um, sure. Just obviously getting into that whole mindset with the Wii that you have to adapt some what your property, but sure. you've got to keep the essence of it somehow. And um, what the guy was very clear to uh, the, the presenter was very clear to say during his uh, his speech was that it wasn't a first-person shooter, um, uh, sorry, an on-rails shooter. It was mm-hmm. a guided first-person experience, which, like right. I said in in, in my uh, preview article on the site, like I laughed a bit when he said that at first, but. <laughs> Uh, the more he talked, the more I played of it. Like the more I mm-hmm. came to see where he's coming from, and I, I was really what I'm really intrigued to see is if you agree of that statement, whether it's an on-rail shooter or a uh, guided first-person experience, as he called it. Oh yeah, I mean this game is is as separated from the House of the Dead style on-rail shooter as it is from Halo. Right. Like it's not that type of experience. It really isn't. I mean the the closest comparison. <laughs> that I would make to this game is um, of the full motion video games of the late 90s. Okay. Because those games, well, hear me out. Those games, they, um, like this game, is is very linear. Like, everything in this game will be the same every time you play it. Because you can't move the camera. You can't move your character. You can't do anything like that. It's literally just you watch something until you get to a certain point where something comes out of the screen and you shoot it. Like, that's pretty much the game. And there's more to it, of course. You can you can grab objects with your, your psychic powers and stuff like that. There's some crazy boss fights. Um, but, again, that's really a lot like those FMV games where you pretty much watch something for a couple minutes and then you had to interact with it. Mm. Which, um, <laughs> I mean, there's more interactivity here, of course, but it's it's pretty much the same thing. And the, the reason I liked those games, I know I'm in the minority on that, but the reason I liked those full-motion video games was that... Uh, they were really immersive. Like it really was like you were watching a film that you got to play, and the production values were absolutely terrible. But it was still kind of fun to watch and to to the limited interactivity with those games is what turned many people off. Not so much the full motion video. And in this game, what they do basically is that they give you more interactivity with that type of experience. So you're still getting the cinematic video, and you're still getting it's it's real time in this game. It's not video, but you're still getting the cinematic cutscenes. You're still getting to basically live in a movie that's being guided very carefully along a track. Mm even though this track is like you're in a human's head, so it's not mechanical like House of the Dead is. But um, It's interesting that you, you, you said the term cinematic. Um, just like, what what film did it remind you of? Cloverfield. Okay. This is Cloverfield, essentially. It's the same idea. I'm very glad you said that, because one of the things he was banging on about this guy who talked to us at uh, EA was that they used um, motion cameras on the heads mm-hmm. Of uh, like the helmets of uh, people to film sure. all the sort of footage and get the proper character movements, um, right. and like from what I saw, that seemed accurate. And the more I hear about this game, the more people are saying like the camera work and the uh, 
the, the character movement especially is very very good i i will say this probably is the best like scripted camera work of any game i've ever played right which is because amazing for a wii it, game when you think about oh, it. oh yeah i mean it's you know like the camera is never as i said moving along a mechanical track like house of the dead You're, it's never just moving in a straight line it's always your guy is looking forward for a split second, then turning to his right to talk to the person next to him, then looking up to make sure there's not a monster coming through the vent above him, then looking down to see what's below him. Like he's, the camera is always moving. And I could totally see people getting sick playing this game because it is in constant motion. But um, the way it's done is, is so great. It really is like you're looking at the, through the eyes of a different character. It's not like you're just you know, taking some guy's form. You don't have any control. It's just you're in this person's head, you're through their eyes, and you control their hand when they want to shoot stuff. And it is done very effectively. And they throw enough in there, enough variety in there, to keep every level from feeling like you're just playing through the same stuff over and over again, which is the biggest problem with on-rail shooters. Hmm. So what about, like, the, the story side of it? Because it obviously is a prequel to the events right. of Dead Space. Um, and... But you're not really seeing much about Isaac Clarke, the guy from Dead Space. You're more seeing about these peripheral characters. Um, right. How does the how's the story work out? Um, the story is it's I honestly think it's better told here than it was in Dead Space. Wow. Because um, I didn't really get intrigued by the story in Dead Space. I thought it was fairly good. It was okay. But I think that they do a better job here of telling you the story and making you follow it because. Obviously, I mean, you're, you're a captive audience in this one. You're on a track. There's really nothing you can do to miss or skip any of the cutscenes. Right. So you are watching them. You're paying attention. And they do, because you're, you have characters with you in this game, unlike Dead Space, where you were pretty much seeing everything through monitors and, and stuff like that, this game, you're, you're pretty much always with another character or more than one character. So there's this constant interplay between you and the other characters, talking about what just happened, talking about where you guys are going, talking about what your goals are. And that really, it, it builds up better characters than, you know, just watching some video screen every now and then when you're walking through this, this isolated uh, ship. And um, I, I, read, I read a review of uh, Dead Space today where someone said the female character in this game is actually from Crispy Gamer. They said the female character in this game is one of the strongest females of the last couple of years in any game. Wow. And um, I... She is definitely a really good character and one that you do enjoy talking with and you do, do enjoy trying to protect and help out and stuff like that. Okay. I mean, my, my, my final thought is because I, I want to go play, play this game and, uh, and talk to you a bit more about it maybe in one of these shows. But sure. my, my final thought is to ask you about the actual gameplay, the actual shooting, because I think Dead Space's strongest feature was its unique um, play on dismemberment, mm -hmm. which you know I've just not seen in another shooter, and such as, and to use their term, and I, I feel like I'm regurgitating their marketing today, but um, <laughs> it was strategic, strategic dismemberment. Yes, that's um, correct. Like, how does that translate to the light gun gameplay? Well, I, I highly recommend, and this is definitely the first time I've ever said this, but I highly recommend that if you play this game, you play it with a zapper. <laughs> because... Having the actual gun in your hand, like I, I played through uh, House of the Dead without it, and I tried to level in this without it, and it really isn't the same because this game, um, they have a zapper setting. And um, did you get to use the zapper when you played a DA? I did not. Okay. Um, so basically, the the way that the motions, like the way you reload, um, essentially you have to like 
cock the gun almost, cock the zapper to get it to reload. And um, the way you actually, uh, in Dead Space, there was two fire functions for each gun. And the way you do that in this game is you turn the zapper on its side, almost gangster style, I guess you want to call it. And that's how you would shoot the secondary function of the gun. So they do a lot of really cool things with each weapon. And, of course, the dismemberment here is the same as it was in the last game. You have to take off heads. You have to take off limbs. You have to do everything um, to stop these things. And they do – there are just as many creatures on screen, if not more, in this game than there were in the last. Um, and because you don't control the camera, sometimes they're a bit – I don't want to say harder to hit because then it seems like the game is broken. It, they didn't do a good job. But it is almost like that you have to follow along with the camera and shoot the guys that are in front of it. And um, you have to really be smart with what you shoot to make sure that these things are being stopped so that you can get control over the situation and hit the shots that you need to hit. Excellent stuff. So I just want to get you to say this on air because I think you, you told me it off air. Dead Space Extraction is unrivaled as far as my Wii game of the year. Very good. Looking forward to playing it. You cannot bitch about how the Wii doesn't have games if you don't play Dead Space Extraction. Um, alright, so enough about me. You have been playing another one of my favorite games of the year. Yeah, just, you know, keeping it current as always. I, what was it? I talked about <laughs> last time, Unreal Tournament. Um, yep. So a bit a bit closer to <laughs> this. Quake 3 Arena? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so I've been playing Shadow Complex, which came out in Ooh. the summer of Arcade. Sure. My thoughts on the game, it's the best 2D platformer since Brave, as far as I'm concerned. Um, okay. It's just absolutely fantastic um it's and it's nothing like braid i mean i don't know why i bring up braid it's just what i think <laughs> of modern 2d platformers i think of braid and uh, now this because uh, it shares a camera angle yeah yeah mm. <laughs> uh i mean you know people have said the metroidvania thing and then this is what they epic games came out and said they said it's it's metroidvania um and you know, I've, that kind of really just sums it up. I mean, for people who don't know Metroidvania, <laughs> that's really collectible-based, shooting-based platforming. Um, sure. And, I mean, this is full of collectibles. There are just so <laughs> many. Like, it's not... We're not the funny thing is that I've, I realised today there are 100, right? Yes, there's exactly 100. And I sort of thought, well, that's actually not that many. But it, mm. the way the game's structured... You always feel like you're looking for one. There's always one that's maybe in this room, or uh, if I have this weapon later on, I'll be able to come back to this room and get it. And mm -hmm. uh, you're always constantly encountering them, or, or getting close to them, or you know, maybe there's one here, um, right? Which is totally in line with the whole Metroid, particularly Metroid mm -hmm. gameplay. Um, but what this does, which is so clever is to really aid you in getting these collectibles like uh the, the color um coded sort of items that you can destroy with a certain weapon so like you know a missile you can destroy red structures with missiles uh, right. with grenades you can destroy green structures just a very neat very clever very simple touch which just makes it very easy to find secrets um mm -hmm. and then and then there's the map which is you know, obviously uh, crucial for someone who's trying to find secrets in a game. Um, it's just very, very well laid out. Like, uh, having each room and each entrance into each room displayed is hugely useful for getting for getting collectibles um, and letting, letting you know that there's actually a room that you haven't explored. Like, 
I was just going to say, the thing I enjoyed most is that they told me where the collectibles were, or gave you the general idea of where they are, so that you're not just hunting blindly around for I, these I, things. I, yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's crucial, because that the shooting in this game is not all, not that good. Like, right. I, I, I think uh, it's fine, but the problem being that you can just stop aiming and press shoot is a, is a sure. huge issue for a game. You know, this is supposed to be a challenging uh, Metroidvania game. That that that's not challenging. Mm-hmm. If I can just stand there and that's GI Joe: Rise of the Cobra. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, and I understand why it's there is because they've included the Z, Z axis, which I think is actually a, a very poor design choice on their part because I think it's just showing off that this is something we can do. And in the end, like I didn't really enjoy any of the any of the Z axis shooting. Any any shooting into the background was just mm-hmm. a bit uh, clumsy. I don't know. What, what did you did you get anything out of that? Or was that just me? No, I, I I totally get what you're saying. It just felt kind of clunky when you were doing the, uh, when there was uh, several guys in the background. You had to kind of try and aim in their direction, but not really because the gun had to be a little lower or a little higher to get them to shoot that way. And uh, yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, it, the thing is, the the shooting in this game, once you get to a certain point, it it just becomes completely inconsequential because they overload you with weapons. Right. So it it just becomes a matter of well, I'm gonna rocket boost above the sky and just shoot blindly below me, and hopefully it'll kill him in five seconds. All right, and I and I, I would completely agree with all of that. I think why I, I'm not really fussed about the shooting is because I don't think the development team were that fussed about the shooting. I think right. uh, for them, the importance was making sure the puzzling gameplay, the secrets, was sure. really well done. It's it's a really really solid 2D platformer. Uh, the shooting could be a bit better, but um, you know it, the other thing is just the presentation is is superb, like. The, the voice acting is good. The visuals are really sumptuous. There's a bit of frame rate dodginess towards the end, but it's it's largely forgivable. Um, and the whole complex, like despite being it's Epic Games, right? You know, you sort of think to yourself, this is going to be quite an unadventurous, unexciting uh, structure, and yet they somehow managed to introduce color and uh, like give the different areas a bit of personality. Uh, things like just having water levels. It's just it does feel like it's constantly changing, which is great, I think. The way I pitched it to all my friends was you could put this game on a disc and no one would say anything about it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've played a retail game recently, which is... Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have paid the money I paid for Shadow Complex. I, I don't know what you're doing, but I absolutely could not stop playing that game until I got 100% of the items in that. Well, it's, it's funny you said that. I've just... Um, like, I'm up to about 95% now. Ah, okay. Like, and... We were talking about Batman Arkham Asylum on one of these shows recently, and I was telling you that I, I was into the whole collecting on that game, but once the single player was over, it was like, done. Just sure. That was what I was playing this game for most. Sure. With this game, no, I have to fit. It's only done when I've got 100% <laughs> of items. And like that's the, the first time that's happened in a long time for me, which says a lot about this game, I think. Which is crazy. I actually have never done that in any Castlevania or Metroid game, yet I did it in this one. I just think it's it's because they really make it seem uh, feasible. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, when you're actually playing through the story, you get a lot of them. Right. So, I mean, if, you, you know, if you'd beaten the story with 10% of the items, there's no way that anyone was going to do it. But you beat the story, you probably have like 50 60%. You're like, I could get the rest of those. They're right there. I could see them on the map. Absolutely. So it's just you, you want to do it. And plus your guy gets more powerful when you do it, um, which just gives you all the more reason to keep going. Very, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely on the money. Okay, I mean, 
you know, I'm a bit behind the times. People have talked about this game, and I'm sure most people listening have probably uh, at least heard of it or played it and uh, know that it's good. The interesting thing, which uh, I reread recently, uh, the whole controversy surrounding mm. Orson Scott Card, uh, who right. is uh, an author, who he is, uh, I believe the specifics of it with this game was that uh, it was based on one of his works or that it was based on some writing which he provided for it. Yeah, it's going to be set in his one of his universes from one of his book right. series. Okay. Um, now, the, the thing is, is that uh, Orson Scott Card is very... Uh, what's the best word for this? He's kind of a dick. <laughs> um... I can't disagree. I mean, okay, let's let's be clear about it. He's he's anti-gay marriage. That's right. the biggest uh, the biggest controversy associated with this. He's uh, he's been very much against uh, gay marriage in, in your country specifically. Right. Not just against it though. He's actually been vocally opposed to it. Um, right. In by saying some very ridiculous things. Austin Scott Card's website having uh, the uh, Miss California was it pageant winner who had said some yeah. incredibly stupid things about yes. gay marriage and uh, gay people and um, basically saying how wonderful she was which is like <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah he's uh, he's a bit of a dick I think we can all <laughs> safely agree <laughs> on that um, but like I said Christian Nutt uh, a writer I, I believe actually one of the editors over at Karma Sutra um, right. he wrote this uh, opinion piece um, basically talking about the neogaf campaign to boycott the game and uh, because of sure. Orson Scott Card's association with it um, sure. and I don't know I mean I, I it's been a few months I think it's it's died down since like there were there really was some fierce uh, sort of comments and uh, to's and from throws uh, at the time but it seems to have died down now what was did it ever cross your mind when you were playing the game or when you purchased the game about Orson Scott Card's involvement because really it was news to me only when I read Christian's article. Yeah, so I mean, like you know, I had played the previous Orson Scott Card game, which was called uh, Advent Rising, which Cher also made, and um, I, then I played this, and I, I read the NeoGaf stuff after I played the game and already purchased it. So, I mean, I don't think it would have affected my opinion necessarily because people on NeoGaf, you know, readily pointed out that Orson Scott Card had a very small uh, amount of you know hands-on time with this game. Like he probably pretty much sent a document over to epic and uh that said you know this 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 happens in my book so kind of make this tie to it i doubt that this guy was at chair studios every day supervising the the direction of this game um but i think that uh i forget who said it but someone um i believe it was someone from gay gamer wasn't it yes i think so Okay, yeah, they, they said, you know, if you really, really care about this, do not let this affect your opinion. Buy the game because it's something you obviously want to try and enjoy. But just, you know, donate a couple bucks to a, a pro-gay fund. Yeah, that's, that's and right. When I heard that, and I'm like, well, that's it. That's the only solution that makes any sense. Um, and, you know, reading people's fierce, you know, pro or against arguments on NeoGAF after kind of just made me angry because people were clearly ignoring the best possible option. Yeah, I mean... I'm with you. I, 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 that's the option I'd choose. I'm not going to go out and say it's the best possible option because um, the thing that it's difficult because a boycott by definition is tied into politics, right? Sure. And I, I you, I think uh, you know, it, it, 
what what one of the de debates arguments really with this uh, article with the whole conversation was is is whether a boycott is something that's good or bad or should be allowed or should be done. Mm. Um, and I think that's a whole separate, huge philosophical <laughs> debate, which I'm I'm just not going to get into. Um, so, but as far as I'm concerned, if if people don't want to buy the game because they are offended by Austin Scott Card's involvement with them, with it, power to them. Uh, you don't have to buy anything. You shouldn't. You if if it's if you know, <laughs> free choice, free will, free action. And I I figure he is, he's been forthright with his actions and his his beliefs uh people are allowed to be the same towards him and uh sure. the 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 argument i didn't like which a few people came up and said was that um you know there are there's chair and epic who uh will be affected by your purchasing decision and i i get mm. that right you know they've not done anything wrong but at the same time when it comes to politics like i don't think you can throw a sympathy vote out like this out there and i i and, and mm -hmm. I, it's interesting because Christian actually pointed out and said that, you know, in his article. And I don't right. mean to come off as mean because I understand it's a recession and people need to make money. I'm just saying if you want to get into the real principles of this, it, I don't think that's fair on anyone who's deciding not to buy the game to, to throw a guilt <laughs> card at them. Well, to be fair, you know, Epic and Chair knows what this guy thinks. Right. And they still choose to work with him. So they know this is going to happen to a certain extent. I think that's a very important point, really, that, you know, they went into it knowingly. Yeah, you had to. I mean, it's. It, uh, I'm sure there was – I don't remember any controversy over Advent Rising, but I'm sure somewhere someone was talking about it because he was probably crazy back then too. That's interesting. I think that there probably wasn't, like not, not to this extent, because it, it's funny, like it, Christian mentioned in his piece, um, Dragon's Quest Nine. Okay. And uh, I'm not going to get the name of the producer right, but the producer who uh, there was a very similar controversy surrounding him and and oh really yeah and um, and I believe someone in the, in this whole NeoGaf thread had actually mentioned him and it it was a big in Japan but it had kind of been passed over in in America mm -hmm. I, I I would you know I'm going to leave a link into the in the show notes to that sure. uh, article because I I really think people should go read it but. For me, like the way I see it, I think I, I would be lying to myself if I haven't bought stuff and known that it's probably associated with someone who uh, has done something wrong. Like uh, I, let's put, let's throw Michael Jackson out there around mm. the time of his whole controversy uh, and his whole uh, court case. Like I, I'd bought his songs and I would have continued buying his songs. I, the artist is separate from the art. Some sure. people disagree with that some people find it difficult to separate an artist from their art that's fine that, different strokes for uh, different people but uh, as far as i was concerned i'm glad i bought shadow complex because it for me it is one of the best games of this year and uh, i would have been very upset to miss out, out on it i think that pretty much everyone at some point that anyone likes has done something wrong in their lives that they probably don't want to get out um, especially in America, because we tend to put these idiots at the forefront of our Hollywood celebrity that do not deserve to right. be there. So, you know, regardless of your feelings, Norris and Scott Card, you know, if you want to play Shadow Complex, play it. Sure. And I, I think gaming is one of the mediums that 
homophobia still exists in mm-hmm. in, in many facets to to, to to so much extent. Right. I mean, I, for example, I, I uh, was doing a bit of research for an article we put up on the game reviews recently, and I came across a list of top ten camp characters. Okay. And uh, it was just the most insulting thing I think I've read <laughs> this year. It was just reading it, thinking. Wow, that's just as incredibly insulting to anyone who's gay. Sure. And it, it, you know, and uh, I, I think that's a mentality that uh, you know, ninety-nine percent of people in this industry don't have. Uh, and then, but there's still that one percent, and uh, you know, maybe that's why it's important for Christian to bring it up in this article and to really hammer home some points, which I think he did very, very well. Absolutely. But, uh, Absolutely. I think it's it's. For me, it would be a shame if people didn't play Shadow Complex on the basis Mm. of uh, Orson Scott Card. There's a little something for everyone. Serious analysis of Big Red Potion to the firm but well informed GamerDork UK. GamerDork, 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 GamerDork. Find like minded comment. Keep your hobby alive. Gaming bargains to help keep your hobby alive. Was one of the best and friendliest communities on the internet. And if you're one of us mature gamers, find like minded comment. It's been another cult mode. This is actually the first cult mode we're doing in its proper time slot. Right. Right. The first real one. The first Official. real cult mode. Sweet. Um, my Dead Space review is up on GameZone.com. You guys can check that out because I really love that game. And my Wolfenstein review will be up on TheGameReviews.com later this week. And I really did not like that game as much. So you can check them both out. Very cool. Uh, I will point people towards my Raven Squad review, which will probably be up the day after this goes out on uh, Games Are Evil's website and uh, that's going to be an interesting review that's all I'm going to say <laughs> I cannot wait <laughs> I cannot wait either <laughs> before we go I just realised we by the time this goes up we should have announced our guests for this week big one it's going to be good um, joining Sinan and I this week on Big Red Potion will be uh, Adam Standing of Game People who has been on of Game People he's been on the show before a good guy uh, it is Paul Silent Hitashora Rooney who may may or may not have an announcement on Sunday when we record we will see and who also may or may not be an asshole according uh, to Justin McElroy sorry still out of that one <laughs> yes according to Justin McElroy and also is Kelly Santiago from That Game Company the developers of Flow and Flower will be joining us very exciting to talk about Emotional moments in gaming. I think that's going to be an absolutely awesome show. I 